And all right, we're live. Um, hey, everybody, we're live. Welcome, to <laughs> welcome to a very special episode of the Growing with Fishes podcast, episode 290. Yeah. yeah. Welcome we to a, a live, a live prod, a live broadcast that's being filmed. Oh, no, being transmitted, then being shown later. But it's live right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we have a, a wonderful guest today, a gentleman we've been, uh, you know, wanting to have on for a long time, and we're super happy to have him here today. Uh, Tommy Chong, uh, hey. uh, thanks for joining us so much today. You're more than welcome, my friend. I, any excuse to sit and run my mouth and get high, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, you actually have a, a very, uh, uh, every time we, Christmas comes around, uh, my dad used to put your record on, your Christmas oh. record, and my mom used to yell at him for putting it on, and, and, uh, and you had the whole Santa Claus thing with the, you know, all the, oh man, it was just, that's a part of like our family's ritual for Christmas. So uh, I love it. I love it. Why, why was mom pissed off? Because she just bored with it? Oh, she just, my mom was pretty anti weed until a lot later on. Oh. So she was just, yeah, she was just a bit of a square. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> That'll that has been a lot of. It hasn't been a lot of fun to record, though. Did you have a lot of fun doing that at the time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well, yeah. well you need conflict. See, everything needs conflict. You can't write a play or do a song. You know, you need conflict in there. And I realized uh, that uh, when you've been married long enough, you do things consciously and subconsciously just to piss the other one off, you know, or to get their attention. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we also have uh, Marty joining us today, our co-host. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey, Marty. Best what? Best buy? Best buds? Oh. Best buds, yes. Yeah, I read. I, I wrote a movie called Best Buds one time. Oh, was that a... Nice. Uh, very cool. Um, so uh, how, how what was your... Um, what was your kind of uh, entryway into the cannabis culture uh, all those years ago? Well, I got turned on when I was uh, 17 years old. I was uh, a musician by that time. I was playing. We had a blues band. Actually, first Canadian uh, Western Canada R&B band. We, we, we were the first, you know, up until... Uh, until we emerged, it was all c country, you know, country. They used to call it country western. But it was uh, country. And then uh, we come along and we just broke all the rules. Uh, every rule you could break. We, we broke it. The color rule, the music rule, everything. And uh, I was 17 years old. And, and there was a little private jazz club that this a bunch of jazz musicians uh, formed. You know, it was uh, in Canada, you could get past all the draconian uh, uh, what do you call those laws those um, the church laws you know uh, closing at midnight because of Sunday and all that shit you know and, and there was no nightclubs or anything in, in, in Calgary at the time and so uh, this bunch of jazz guys got together and formed a private jazz club and I used to go down there all the time because if you if you were a musician and you brought your acts with you, you could uh, get in free. 
I, no, I never played jazz. I was never, you know, at that time, I was, was, I was just learning how to listen to it. But the uh, founder of the jazz club, uh, one night, one day he showed up uh, when I, I was there and he handed me a Lenny Bruce comedy record and a marijuana joint. And it was my first, uh, first look at comedy. And, and it was so ordained, you know, uh, it was meant to be because here I am, you know, some uh, 70 years later, you know. Right. What a, what a starter pack to get. Right? Yeah. The biggest, one of the biggest pot comedians ever. And, and it was all because of uh, that turn on. And what it, it really, pot really changed my life because up until then, you know, it was alcohol whether you wanted it to be or not, you know, and very few people never drank. And the ones that never drank, never hung out with us, you know? And so we're always around the same bunch of drunks. <laughs> and so, but when I got into weed, wow, here's something that just didn't make me stupid. It made me smart, at least feel smart. So it was the opposite of alcohol. And so I, I, I embraced it. But I also had respect because they scared the shit out of you back in the day. You know, they said, if you smoke this weed, you're going to be shooting, putting a needle in your arm and shooting heroin and all that stuff. And uh, so I wasn't that, you know, eager. I, I took a toke and I wanted to see what would happen. And, and everything nice happened. And then, I, then the joint he gave me, it lasted for me for a, a good month because I just take a toke like I just did. Take a toke and put it out and uh, and just let that one toke, you know, carry me. It actually carried me through the through the night. And, and yeah, yeah, that, that really, uh, that time of my life, you know, I was about 17. Yeah, it, yeah, 17. And, uh, wow, I remember. Have you ever uh, grown cannabis? What was the first uh, experiences you had trying to cultivate it? Growing it? Uh, eventually, yeah. Well, I had, you know, we had friends, you know, that could grow it. Uh, my brother grew a nice crop. Um, I'm not really a good grower, you know. I'm, I'm a forgetter. <laughs> rather than a grower you know <laughs> like like one time I, I grew some on my roof just the other day or other year you know this pandemic has got you going uh yeah i think it was i don't know halfway through the pandemic i got some really nice plants growing and uh and then they mature they're beautiful and i cut them down and i put them in a plastic garbage bag and I meant to take them and hang them up but I got sidetracked and uh, I think a month later I re realized that <laughs> what happened to those plants and they were garbage <laughs> they were in a garbage bag and I just had to dump, dump them in the garbage <laughs> yeah they were ruined but now I grow I got a Tommy Chong grow tent and so my, my son and I just grew a crop, four, four plants. And now uh, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to start growing for clones. I'm going to start growing mother plants. 
and just for clones. Yeah. What what cultivars are you growing? What what? Well, oh, what uh, cultivars are you growing? What you mean the dirt? Yeah. What strains are you growing? Oh, the strains. Uh, you know, I really don't know. I imagine it's uh, I don't know, maybe one of each. You know, I, I I never was when I haven't evolved to that point where I start naming my kids. You know, I just have them. <laughs> You know, call them by the same name. I'm like, you know, like, uh, yeah, George Foreman. You know, he named all his kids George. Uh, uh, no, I, I, uh, I have a hard time. I, I'm more of an entertainer, movie maker. You know, yeah. and you know, and if I grow, you know, people say, "Was well, that sativa or indica?" I have to think about it and look at it. So I'm not really that. Actually, I'm a good example of anybody can grow this shit. Um, so what are, uh, uh, I was uh, doing some research for the show and you said you had, uh, I guess it was two or so years ago, you still had one beetle left to smoke with. Is, did you finally make that happen or is that still on the list? It's still on the list, Paul. I haven't been in, I came pretty close a couple of years ago. We were supposed to be in the same town. And I was kind of, but again, you know, I got a short memory. <laughs> you know, talking about attention span, I got a very short memory span. And so I forgot about it. But yeah, I still got Paul. And, and I got to watch myself because I might smoke with him and then forget about it. <laughs> so, but no, he's, he's the only one on my bucket list. You know. Everybody else, yeah, they can smoke with me. I don't have to smoke with them. Um. There's, uh, you've had a chance to really travel the world and see all different types of things and kind of really be known as a, a cannabis icon the world or, uh, over. Um, have you ever had a chance to, to toke up with a sitting world leader at all or anything like that? Or what's no. kind of some of the, some of the crazier people you, you in, in your mind or, or people that you really enjoyed spending time with smoking uh, uh, you know, and all the years doing your entertainment and other things? Well, <coughs> I, I always smoke to be alone, really, you know, I, I was never, uh, because being a musician, especially the way I started, you know, I, 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 and a songwriter, and so that, that, that's a, a very alone kind of gig, you know, so I was never, um, in fact, I played in the same band, and there was another, the piano player, and I, we didn't know that we each smoked pot <laughs> and we're in the same band. Can you dig it? <laughs> the same band. And it wasn't until we went to Vancouver and, and we're both outside, you know, waiting to, to buy our spinners. We used to buy dollar spinners, uh, little marijuana dust joints. And we looked at each other. Oh, you too. Yeah. No, you know, back in the day, Whatever you did, you never it wasn't blasted, advertised. You know? like I don't think alcohol was ever advertised in Canada. It was just there, you know. And the radio never wasted time on that shit. You know, radio back in the day, they would you know get right to, to the nitty gritty. You know, the music or the, whatever it was. They they never even had a news channel back then. You know, they just played music and and you know talked about what was going on uh and this is in canada anyway you know 
And we used to have a lot of free stuff. Like we used to, uh, on radio, uh, they used to have live from the city library and they would read a book. And so I would lay in bed and, and, and have this audio voice, nice voice, you know, reading to me. It was kind of, it was very cool. I had a very cool upbringing. And in my, in my family, I was the only one that was really addicted to the radio, you know, so it was really my radio. I, you know, I was, I wasn't the oldest. I was uh, the second oldest, but uh, you know, so there's a hierarchy, you know, my brother wanted to take it. In fact, he, he kind of looked at it, but he never had bothered. It, it wasn't his, his thing, you know, he was more like a outdoorsman, hockey player, you know, that kind of guy, a diver, skin diver. But I was, uh, I was the, the music guy, you know, and I didn't know it either. I, I had no clue that I had musical ability. I just had musical addictions. Like I'd visit my, uh, my cousin, uh, you know, that's the sex education, you know, your older cousin, your 16 year old cousin. <laughs> <laughs> when you're eight years old, I used to love going into his room because he had a 12 bass accordion and he had all the kind of like porn books around everything else. But I would go right to that accordion and I'd sit there all all evening or whatever we were over there and just just pick out tunes, you know, I could play by ear and I'd, I'd remember play tunes that I'd heard in my head. <clears throat> and never thinking, never thinking that I could be a musician as a, as a uh, occupation, never done on. And then, and then uh, uh, we had a neighbor that played fiddle and his, he used to have a guitar player, but the guy, guy got a job out of town or something. And then he realized I could play enough guitar to help him to, to make his fiddle playing sound good. And so next thing I know, I'm uh, backing up a fiddle player. And so there again, uh, you know, I, I, it was a job. <laughs> it, it wasn't just fun. It was a job. You had to play tunes all the way through and then, you know, and then maybe play it again and, you know, dance tunes. And wow, it, that was my early training. And that, and that really actually gave me the basis of, of why we got so successful, you know, because I realized, well, I was taught, you know, the, give the, give the people what they want and keep it simple. That, that was the lesson I got, you know, and if you apply that to practically anything, <laughs> it's good advice. So when was it after, after making the, the famous Cheech and Chong movies. Did you did you realize how big it was? It was getting like with like. Did you guys have an idea of the like while you're working on it how big it was going to be, or did it just like totally surpass expectations? And well, you know, when you, when you're on that that ride that we were on, you know, it's like a, a train ride, and you're going at a very rapid pace, so you can only hang on. That's the best you can do. You can't reflect. There's nothing to reflect. <laughs> That's what you do when you go to jail, you know, oh, right. or, or, or right. when your wife leaves you. you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> then you, but other than that, you, you, you're, we're moving, 
we're always moving, you know? Right. So you're not thinking. And so, you know, our whole career just sort of blurred, went blurring by, you know, right. this happened, that happened, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, because, you know, uh, I was going over things that we did, you know, like living in Paris, <laughs> shooting a movie in Paris, you know, right. I mean, that was uh, that was my need to to wander to 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 be somewhere else, you know, you know that especially that been there done that thing, you know, right. in the movie industry. Can you imagine? They give you millions of dollars to film whatever you can think of, wherever you can think of. Right. I mean, that's the way it was with me. You know, it's like, right. Yeah. Here's the money. Be funny. Well, wow. I like that. I like that. Here's the money. Be funny. <laughs> <laughs> As a songwriter. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, that... so, so I, I, I took big advantage of that, you know, and, uh, and, and, and again, because I found out I was the director. I, I didn't start off as the director. I started off you know, with Up in Smoke. We just started off as a couple of guys that, uh, yeah, we could do a movie. And, you know, I wanted to do a movie. I had another movie in mind, but because I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't have much pull other than being Chong, you know. Uh, it, it, the movie ended up starting out to be Chichi Chong's Greatest Hits. And then it turned into Up in Smoke because I wrote a song called Up in Smoke. And when Cheech heard it, he goes, that's the title of the movie. And then once we had the title. Nice. Now we, we, we'll, we'll do a movie around that title. Right. And, 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 you know, and we try to put a few Cheech and Chong's greatest hits, you know, the records in there. Uh, but we had to actually cut them out, you know, because they, it, it wasn't a record. It was a movie. Right. And, and, and you put stuff in there that, that, don't belong that's the first to go so so yeah yeah it was uh yeah the career it was like uh, that's why i i tell you about the, the fiddle player you know because he needed somebody to help him play and my whole career has been like that you know i've always had a partner either on screen or or sometimes uh off screen, but you you don't do this shit alone. What made you decide to, to get into comedy from the from going from music over to comedy? Uh, I had a couple of things. A couple of things. First of all, I got fired from Motown. And, and even though I wrote the song, it was my band, I discovered, you know, uh, you know, I, I had a club. Uh, it, everything was my, my, my. But the minute, the minute uh, they had a chance, they fired me. And by the way, it's a good life lesson. If you can be fired at anything, maybe you should be looking for something else. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, and so I, mean, I kind of, I got fired from Motown. But again, it was, it was like you know, fate pushing me along. I said, okay, you don't need to work here anymore. Okay. You know, and, and but I, I went to Motown. Motown would give me a green card. You see, that was the secret of, of what I got out of Motown. 
And once I got that green card, now, when I was on the road with Motown, I would, instead of going to blues clubs, which was, I owned one. So, I, you know, the last place I'm going to go is to a blues club. But I started going to these improvisational theaters, like Second City. And, and uh, I think Second City was the first I saw. And then I went to San Francisco and there was a group there called the Committee. And so that's that's where I got, that's where Cheech and I got our act, basically. You know, all our top bits were right under the committee, you know, which pissed the committee off. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was like, oh, sorry, but I really needed that bit. You know? <laughs> right. I'll give it back to you if you want, but uh, I really needed that bit because we had a whole bunch of people here waiting to laugh and, and that bit was perfect for the time, you know, so. Right. So that's that's what we did. And and what I did, I, when I went back, to, like I said, I had a I had a blues club after hours club and I had a, a, a topless nightclub or strip joint. <clears throat> Both clubs were given to me, by the way. You know, again, hey, you want a club? OK, you got it. You know, Just pay rent. You're fine. And so I had a strip wow, club. Nice. And, and I and, and so when I went back after I got fired from Motown, I went back to work the clubs or, you know, put another band together, basically, you know. What the hell is that? Anyway, uh, I, um, yeah, I, I, when I went back, I, I had no urge to go to the, to the blues club or the after hours club because there's a band playing there, you know, who gives a shit? But the girl, you know, the strip club, okay, I'll go hang out there. And so I started working the lights. You know, because I, uh, you know, I'm a worker. You know, so I started working the the lights, and I noticed that you know the the girls looked so beautiful when they walked in to work, and then they put on these creepy stripper outfits, and they look real. You know, they don't look as gorgeous as they once did. You know, they're kind of cheap. You know, like strippers. You know, <laughs> so so uh, so I'm I'm thinking. You know, I I put the the improvisational clubs kind of came into my head and I thought, wow, this would make a great improv theater because you got beautiful girls. And, and I, so I wrote a bit where the, where the girls would uh, come on stage pretending it was their, their, where they lived, And, you know, and they were having a, a pajama party after the gig, after working at the club. And and the MC, uh, the or the MC and and the singer, but the singer really, uh, yeah, the MC was a guy named uh, Taps Harris, and Taps uh, was a tap dancer, but he he was an MC because he got really too old to tap dance, and so he's MCing at strip clubs, and uh, so I had him in the skit too. And the skit really was simple. All the girls would come over one by one and they would change from their street clothes into their pajamas because, oh, they just had a hard day at the, the Shanghai junk. And they're, oh, so it, and so much fun to have this little party and all oh, the taps is coming over. And, and, you know, so taps comes over and, and they say, why do they call you taps? And taps, well, I'm a tap dancer. Really? Okay. Well, so we had a prearranged for Taps to do his tap dance number. And he did 
but the crowd loved him so much he got a encore. <laughs> and, and right after the encore, Taps left the club and never came back. <laughs> it was like we made him dance for his money again, and he had passed all that. You know, he had done that. So I, I said to the doorman, you know, I need an MC. And, and, and he, his name was Dave. And Dave says, well, I'll do it if you do it. And all of a sudden, I, I'm on stage. And, uh, and and that was it. And we used to do skits and, you know, write. We had an improv club. And we would write and do two shows a night. And, and we packed the joint. We never made any money because we changed it from a, a strip club where you get like five horny businessmen who'll make you rich. But 300 theater goers, will, well, eventually you'll go broke because that's why theaters have a hard time, you know, because no one wants, <laughs> you know, there's no action going on. It's all make-believe. But anyway, so we packed a joint and uh, and then we and we had a straight man and, and by that time because i started this improv club you know I, I attracted all the actors in the town you know stage actors and you know everybody entertainers and they all started coming to the club and then but in the in the gig we had a, a straight man we had to have like a cop looking guys because dave had long hair and a beard and i had long hair and a beard and so we needed that cop, you know. And so we had hired this actor named Rick Lenz. Well, Rick was, you know, like a Broadway actor. He's really good. And so he got a lot of the good skits, you know. And 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 so the 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 entertainment section of the paper, you know, we were a big hit. All of a sudden, we got this improv theater, you know, beautiful women, and boom, we're on the front page. And Rick was posing with the strippers, uh, one on either side with their titties in each ear, kind of. <laughs> and Rick's wife, who had no idea what Rick was doing, uh, now she has to face all her friends with Rick on the front page of the uh, the paper. With, wow. You know, <laughs> that's that's not the best way to find out. <laughs> Rick quit, man. Rick, Rick quit. <laughs> he never came back. He knew his wife just said no. Somebody check on Rick. Is he okay? Yeah, Rick was gone. And so then uh, there was a Russian named Ihor Tordek. Uh, he owned, uh, what did he own? Oh, he owned a, a hippie newspaper uh, called Poppin'. And, and he had a guy working for him that would be perfect for the show, you know? And so he told me, he said, you got to meet this guy. You know, he's really, really funny funny and so I that's when I met Richard Barron for the first time and Richard was writing for the hippie magazine and delivering carpets on the side to make a few bucks because there's no money in the, in the hippie magazine business and uh, and so I said you know I, I, I'm looking for actors and he's well let me look come down check it out and then Cheech started telling me all these stories about him, you know, because I, I was a musician in that. And, oh, yeah, he was a musician, too. He had sang in different bands, and uh, he was a folk singer. You know, he was all these things, you know. And, 
And so, but, so he joined the group and he was like the third guy. He was a straight guy. And he really didn't do too much. He brought a couple of skits into the, the thing, but uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't the straight guy. He was a little brown Mexican, and, which we didn't know at the time. And so we, we started doing these, getting funnier and funnier because I, every once in a while I'd go down to, the, to, the, to California to visit my wife and my family who still live down there. Uh, and uh, I would go drop in and watch the committee and get more material and then come back to Vancouver and uh, show everybody the new, new bits I learned. And, and so we all learned these really funny bits. And then about, about at the right time, my brother came up to us one time. He says, uh, he threw a big stack of bills on the desk. He says, uh, we're not making enough money. You know, we're going to have to go back to the girls stripping, you know? And I said, uh, oh, <laughs> I couldn't argue with that shit, you know, because <laughs> we weren't getting paid anyway. And if we're not making enough money and you're not getting paid, that 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 means you're out of a gig, you know. So, so. Uh, but in the meantime, there's a group called. Is it, remember the group called Three Dog Night? Yep. Yeah. Well, they uh, the the drummer. I mm-hmm. was married to his sister Maxine. Floyd Snead is the drummer, and and Floyd. So Floyd came to town. When I had the club in in the in the uh, improv theater group, and he brought the three dog night down to see see us, and of course we killed and uh, we we did it uh, one more time, and uh, and then uh, Cheech and I uh, we were going to form a band because he's a singer and I'm a guitar player. And I put a band together and we got a gig. It was a battle of the bands at the gardens. And because of my reputation with Motown, you know, we got a gig right away. But when we got there, we decided to start off with comedy. And so Cheech and I uh, did, did some of the bits that we knew, you know, we had lived a lot, but we, mesmerized the kids for a good good hour and and we never played a note we just did comedy and right halfway through i realized that this is it man i found i i I struck gold and so after the after we and we actually won the battle of the bands (laughs) even though never we played anything and then the band the drummer was very funny Powder Blues Band. That was the name of his group. It got some legs. Uh, the bass player, he goes, uh, so when's our next gig, boss? <laughs> it was kind of funny. So she should do a reunion show. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we'll have, yeah, we'll have a reunion with him. Uh, and then Cheech had to sneak into America. I had a wife and, and family in LA, so I had no problem. And a green, and not a green card. I had a yeah, a green card. I had a green card at that time. Yeah. And uh, there we are. And the Cheech snuck in real easy because no one was checking the border, you know, especially for Mexicans coming in from Canada. You know, So so he got in. We got in and then we just went from 
Well, we started off at the Red Fox Club. That was our first gig. And we hooked up with uh, the elite, the Lenny Bruce, the Lenny Bruce entourage. They were still hanging out together, even though Lenny was dead. They were still hanging out, going to comedy clubs, probably looking for the next Lenny. In fact, that's what happened. Tony Mascaro, who was Lenny's uh, father-in-law, <laughs> uh, he was younger than Lenny, or, uh, but he was uh, a Chicano. He was in the crowd when Cheech and I appeared, and uh, and right after we 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 did our set, uh, Tony came up to me and he told me he says, "Man, you're the first thing I've seen since Lenny died that has that same vibe, that same feeling." And of course, you know, because Lenny was my uh, mentor, and um, and then, you know. Tony actually became our manager, even though, and he was getting us into the where, where all the freebies were. But Tony had a, a heroin problem, you know, all his life. And uh, so he would check out every once in a while, you know, going to binge and then he'd come back. And, and uh, yeah, and we, we kept tight with all that. And Sally Marr, uh, Lenny Bruce's uh, mother, she was right with us. She got us an audition one time at, uh, was it Paramount Pictures? One of the movie studios. And and the guy was like a, a Lenny Bruce fan, I guess. And and, all, and Cheech and I, we, we sat and did a, in the field, we did a, a, one of our bits. And his comment was, I saw, I've seen it in Yiddish. <laughs> that was his comment. <laughs> The uh, uh, Soul Shine Thanks for joining us. What's that? Yeah. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be on. And uh, Tommy, I uh, grew up watching you and your work, uh, and so this is uh, surreal for me as well. But thank oh, cool. you for helping to foster the generation of stoners that I'm a part of. Oh, good. Are you a musician? I am, yeah. I uh, play guitar, a little bit of djembe drum as well, a little bit of uh, medicine music, uh, shakers, that sort of thing as well. Do you sing? I do a little bit, yeah. I uh, well, had well, a little well, bit of training as a teenager and a little bit of time as a front man, but uh, not professionally. Well, work on the singing. Take take singing lessons, you know? And, uh, and yeah, yeah, become a singer. Because that that'll that'll get you through that'll get you through life, you know. Look at Tony Bennett; he he can't form a sentence, but he can sing. <laughs> he can sing his whole repertoire, and he's what ninety, a hundred years, hundred and ten. I don't know. He's old. He's up there. So work on your singing, dude. Yeah, songs get serious because you you got the. Looks, I totally you know? will. Yeah, yeah. You got the looks, man. You know, get serious about something. Thanks, man. And, and figure it out. You love it. So what better? It's like having a lover now. Now you get married to it, you know, and, and, and really, uh, yeah, because uh, take advantage of your looks, man, because they don't last. <laughs> That's why I got my hair long, you know. It, uh, it starts to go a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm living it long as I can. I know Steve's got the trick there, though, to, to dread it up and, and keep it for longer. 
that doesn't let it slip away as quickly. I'm curious though, Tommy, was the Battle of the Bands you were talking about there, uh, did that inspire the Up in Smoke Battle of the Bands? Probably, yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there, there used to be Battle of the Bands, you know, back in the back in the day. Uh, we had, all, you know, that kind of thing going all the time. Well, I, you know, I, I started out when I started out playing. I was like the Beatles around the same around the same time. I think they were like a year or something. There's little in between us, but uh, yeah, our careers were parallel. You know, uh, age-wise and everything, we were. I was a little bit before. I'm older than all of these guys, you know. But because I wasn't that good, I had to become a comedian. <laughs> and comedy, man, it's it's fun. It's easy. It's not you. It's the muse, you know. And all you have to do is make friends with the muse, and then. You, you're 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 good to go for life and that's what i did but uh, yeah that's that's how i met cheech but i i realized in my career really was all about helping somebody else and that's what directing is by the way you know i didn't know i was a movie director until we did a movie and then i realized oh shit <laughs> it's not that i can do this it's i have to do this <laughs> You know, it's like a, a, a decorator coming in and someone else moving furniture around, you know. Uh, and that's what a director is. A director knows what should be there and uh, how it should be there, you know. That, that thing. So when I, when I realized that, then my, wife, my life really, really took off oh, so well. I mean, think about it, man. I directed a movie in Amsterdam. I directed a movie in Paris, France. And I would have done another movie in South America, but then I lost my actor. <laughs> Cheech, uh, Cheech got deported. <laughs> oh, to no. A, to another company. Yeah. Right. No, he, he, he went on, did his own movie, Born right. in East L.A. Born East LA, mm -hmm. and that was and that was the beginning of my stand-up career. So that was really good because I'd never done stand-up. I did comedy teams, but we I never did one-on-one, -on -one, you know. And so when Cheech and I broke up, I said, "Whoa!" So I went. I you know who inspired me is Dennis Miller. Do you remember Dennis Miller? Yeah, for sure. From Saturday Night, was he on Saturday? No. Yeah, he was on Saturday Night Live, did the news update. Yeah, Dennis Miller. Well, Dennis Miller was doing stand-up in Vancouver, 1963, New Year's. It was a New Year's uh, Eve weekend or whatever. And I went and seen uh, Dennis Miller. I hadn't been in a comedy club for, you know, a couple of years almost. And I went in there and, uh, and, and I'm, uh, you know, of course, I met Dennis and then he went on stage and wow, he had so much fun and I had so much fun and I said, I want to do that. And so then I did. I had a, a question I wanted to ask you because I think people hearing it from you, it'll help a lot of people. Um, 
you've had a, a different um, health issues that you've, uh, you know, cancer and other things that you've uh, treated with cannabis. And I think a lot of people are scared um, when they find out that they have that kind of diagnosis and, and aren't quite sure about cannabis. And I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit of, about, you know, how it's, it's helped you with, through some of your stuff and why people should consider it if they're on the fence. Well, can, cannabis affects the brain. And uh, that's what it does. It calms the brain in some people. And sometimes it's like petting a, a wild animal. Sometimes, uh, you, know, you know, you can be petted and other times you, you can't even touch it. And that's why some people are, are afraid. They don't like the effects of what it does to their brain, you know, but it affects the brain. And it, it, and it will help the brain because it slows down the brain slows everything down, slows time down. Yeah, because time really is what happens when we're doing shit, you know? And, and so if you're busy doing things, you know, you're not aware of time, you know? But when you get high on, on cannabis, you become very aware of time. And uh, that's how the musicians, poets and writers and artists and singers and businessmen the human race that's how we 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 jump on that cloud you know we catch a cloud and we just ride it as far as we can ride it and some of us still ride it and a lot of us getting on that cloud you know because it really is the door to knowledge, you know. Because what happens with cannabis, you become curious. And you're not curious. See, you can only be curious if you don't know the answer. You see, that's why you're curious. But if you know the answer, then, eh, you know, that's why when you know, outcomes and you know when things are regulated like actually stopping it the cannabis will open that door because a lot of times that door there's nothing stopping it from being open except your ignorance and so cannabis can can really uh help lose the problem the reason for that ignorance see because we all are brilliant you know there's no you can't see you know we're all equal in, in, in that in that area you know some more equal than others granted but still and that's what you want to do that's what cannabis does it will enhance what's ever there okay what, a, what advice do you have for aspiring comics be funny. That's all. That's all you can say to them. You know? That's, that's true. All. It's kind of the one requirement, right? <laughs> yeah, the only requirement, really. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've been studying, you know, because I I never started out as a comedian. You know, I, I started out as, <laughs> as a young guy that didn't know could play a little guitar. Um, 
but 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 I learn because I I become a student of everything, a watcher, you know. Because when I was very young, I, I was incarcerated, so I w I never had that mother home uh, experience. My experience was purely left alone, and you know and. And actually, the odd strangers coming in and going in my life. So, so I learned how to be so comfortable being alone that it, it could get kind of freaky at times. <laughs> but then, then I learned uh, how to be alone in a crowd. And cannabis will help you with that. <laughs> Never get the complaint. Well, you just stand there. You don't say anything. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. And I, I do think, I mean, I totally agree with you about, you know, cannabis sort of, you know, opening up your brain and, and affecting your brain and the ideas. And I think that it's it's also somewhat the culture of people that you connect with when consuming cannabis that uh, also is more accepting towards, uh, towards that. Do you feel like that that... Uh, cannabis culture that, you know, is even stretches back, you know, <clears throat> in, into the seventies has played a part in, um, you know, you know, it's roots in musicianship or all of those different things. I feel like that the, the people involved are, are a portion of it too. And, uh, I wonder if you have any thoughts on, on your experiences in the, the cannabis culture in terms of, of people and their level of acceptance. Well, we're a whole, we're, we're in a different era, you know, now, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, for a while, for a long while, well, and, and even right now, you know, only the hip people knew about hip shit like that, you know, and now, uh, thanks to the internet, everybody's hip, everybody can be turned on, you know, in fact, the internet has turned us into 70-30, isn't that amazing, 70% that know and 30% that don't. And, and that's, that's what it, the internet has done because everybody has a voice now. See, before you had to go through channels to get a voice, but now everybody has a voice and everybody has a camera. And so everybody has a right to say whatever they can, that, that, that they wanna say or do or feel, you see. And so the writing, and th it's thanks to cannabis. It's got to be thanks to cannabis because we wouldn't have this phone that we're talking to if it wasn't for cannabis. We wouldn't have that computer that we're, we're on that can figure all this shit out if it wasn't for cannabis. Some nerd going, <laughs> for I, sure. I got it. I know, right? Check this out. You know? Absolutely. And that's where we're at now. And we're not, we're, and we're always at the beginning, you know? I've been through all these beginnings for a long time, but it's always the beginning. You know, it's the beginning of this, beginning of that, but we're always beginning. We're always in the beginning, and that's where we're at, you see. Now, it, and when people ask me about the old days in the cannabis, nothing has changed. The plant has not changed in, say, eternity, you know. And that's why when you talk about strains, I mean, it's like talking about the apostles. You know, <laughs> what is the difference? 
you know, they're, they're all, uh, uh, you know, prophets of the same master. And that's what we are, you know. Cannabis is the closest to God that so many of us have ever been. And that's why a lot of people, when they do cannabis for the first time, it's like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> that felt weird, man. <laughs> so uh, we're, at a, we're at a party uh, at this sort of like very wealthy um, couple that had never really gotten high. And I had these uh, strips, their breast strips. No, uh, we give them chocolate. We give, <laughs> we give them very medicated chocolate and warned them, but they, uh, they all took the chocolate like it was dessert and it was the most memorable party <laughs> ever. And she, one thing she said that I kind of wraps it everybody, everybody's mind, she goes, I started looking at everybody and then I started thinking these horrible thoughts. And then I realized, oh, I hope I didn't say anything out loud. <laughs> it was so perfect because that's that was the first time for her. And now, uh, you know, she's not, you know, by no means you know, turned on, but she's turned on. You know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely, uh, you know, it's so much more accepted now than it, you know, was before. Like I didn't, I didn't really start till I was a little bit older, about 19 or so. But, uh, but even then you had to be, you know, a little bit more of a rebel than you have to be these days with so many, you know, legal states. So it, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting to be able to walk into a dispensary or, you know, take stuff on a plane, uh, you know, is really, you know, like, I know it's legal. I've checked like 30 times, but it, it still makes me nervous. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. I, you know what? I'm more careful now than I, than I used to be. Because before when it was illegal, then I would sort of like forget that I had it. You know, I don't know. It was like, that's the best way to fool any or carry anything, you, you know, is not, not think you got it. You know? And uh, but I got caught a few times, and 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 yeah, the, yeah. Even when I travel now, you, because you don't know what the laws are in different states and everything. And, and I got so used to uh, not not carrying anything with me, you know, because I I I, I used to carry it on my in my guitar, and but I would put it at the top of the little, little pocket up there when I had it on my back, so the dog could never smell it. It was too high up. And uh, and then one day uh, I was coming through uh, the Canadian border, but I never had my guitar. Or no, I, I had my guitar, but I, I thought I put the pipe. No, and I hid the pot too. I, I had the guitar, I hid the pot, but the dog spotted the pipe in my pocket. And so we got stopped at the Canadian border. And, uh, <laughs> and that's when I found out that because I'm a Canadian with a U.S. passport, I, they can't keep me out of either country for any reason, you know, especially pot. Because, you know, at one time they were keeping people from traveling if, if you had a pot conviction, you know. 
And I don't know. They still might do it. That still might be on. Yeah, they still do it to people. Yep. I know people that have just invested in Canada and have that problem. But uh, so uh, I think the question everyone wants to know is: um, you, I'm, you've surely bumped elbows with Elon at this point. Uh, what, what's up with that space weed from uh, from your movies? <laughs> is that is that going to happen now? Elon, yeah, it could be, man. <laughs> Yeah, good old space weed. Yeah. Well, I think Elon is doing pretty good. You know, he's he's checking a few things out. He's doing all right. He's showing us what it's like to be the richest man in the world. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it, man. <laughs> because I intend to be uh, one of the richest men in the world. Very shortly, too. Yeah, because we can now. You know, everybody's got an equal shot at it. You know, yep. we just got someone's got to come up with the billion dollar uh, plan, and I got it. I got it. I'm going to be unveiling it very soon. But uh, a uh, date that we can look forward to, or anything you want to kind of people can look forward to find out more when it's appropriate. We oh, got yeah. a we got a Cheech and Chong documentary on the in the shelf, you know, ready to nice. come out, and. Uh, and when that comes out, that's when I'm going to uh, uh, reveal my plan to save the world. Cool. Wonderful. We definitely look forward to that. Is there any other uh, things you want to mention here? I know we're just about out of time. Um, is there anything uh, else that you wanted to mention as far as the upcoming shows or other things you wanted to, to mention that, uh, that you're working on? Yeah, well, you know, just buy all my product, you know, the the Tommy Chong CBD, you can get it in every drugstore. That this is a the good night Irene type, put you to sleep, and this one will wake your ass up. And so you know, I I've been doing really well with those because they're it's weird, it's all CBD, but you can't sell these in head shops. I mean, in dispensaries. I love I love the way the laws are are funny. Because they're, it's like, they're not stoners that are making the laws. Let's put it that way. You know, <laughs> they're, they're like people that really uh, are trying their best, but not really doing well. I know it's the best one. CBD products in order to be sold in the dispensary you have to have 1% THC. Like you have to artificially add 1% THC to a CBD product. <laughs> it makes no sense. I mean, that's what I mean. It's a law. Because, you know, and, and, and we're going through this 70-30, you know, that, that 30% of, the, of the, the, but it's fun, man. This is, this is what life's all about, you know. And it's funny when you got a little, little heads up on it all, you know. So when, when I see stuff coming, that I, the idea of, of, of comedy is that you, that's that's what you have to do. You have to find the funny in everything, and it's there. It, it's there, and, and uh, I've been finding it. Certainly, looking forward to uh, to hearing more comedy from you in the future, and uh, and your future plans and other things that uh, that you'll be unveiling. Um, is there anything you wanted to kind of mention here in parting? Uh, I know you're you're just about out of time. I thought I just did. 
well, wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a, a really wonderful episode and I'm very grateful for your time. And uh, I thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Who are you guys? Oh, uh, sure. So um, actually I'll, I'll let you guys introduce yourself and then I'll, I'll go last. Uh, Marty. <clears throat> so I'm Marty Waddell. I have a YouTube channel and social media at uh, AP Meds or Aquaponic Meds. So I grow all aquaponic cannabis. I uh, teach a class on aquaponic cannabis with Steve, who we've been doing for a while now on the Teachable platform. Um, so we teach people how to grow you know, weed with fish poop and a few other inputs. And uh, so we always like to make the joke that you know Jesus turned water into wine, but we turned fish poop into weed and we think that's a lot better. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I have tons of pictures up on social media and uh, tons of different grows that I've been doing. Uh, I think I have probably seven or eight different variations of aquaponic grows on my YouTube channel at AP Med. So check that out. And uh, thank you, uh, Tommy, for just uh, tolerating all of my fanboy questions and uh, just really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. No, yeah, thank you, man. Who else is there? Hi, Caleb. Yeah, well, well I'm Caleb, a uh, social engineer, and uh, let's see a picture of you. I am the director. Oh, at, oh, you don't see my picture. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Good. We can see face to face across the obsidian portal. So, okay. uh, yeah, my name is Caleb. I'm Soulfriend Growing, and uh, I'm the director at Populeft Cultivar, is a nonprofit where we're working to preserve and protect medicinal plants, especially cannabis, using Populeft and research and education. So, I'm also a 10 year grower of cannabis, saved me from uh, Crohn's disease. And so, I owe it a great deal of gratitude and uh, do all that I can to help celebrate and spread the beautiful plant. So thank you for being here. And I really appreciate hanging out with you a little bit. And What's your name? I hope that you can keep right in those clouds. Caleb, Caleb Soul, Caleb Duluth. Hey, Caleb. You get a fucking haircut, man. Jesus. You look like, a, you look like some goddamn hippie, for Christ's sake. I know. They don't even let me in all the stores yet. <laughs> oh. No, you're looking good, man. Work on your singing. Yeah, I'll definitely be signing up for more singing lessons and, and getting that out there. Thanks for the inspiration, yeah, yeah, Tommy. Yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. Channel Next time I see you. Okay, man. <laughs> and uh, I'm, bye Stephen bye. Ra I'm Stephen Raisner. Uh, I'm the owner of Potent Clonics, and um, I do aquaponic cannabis consulting as well as the host of the Growing Up Fishes podcast. Um, Marty and I have been running the show for six years, and um, we host uh, online aquaponic cannabis uh, education over at apmjclass.com. Uh, thank you so much for your time. You've uh, uh, been truly a wonderful guest. And uh, uh, thank you so much for all the wonderful joy that you put into this world. You're welcome. And uh, how long have you been growing that beard now? Uh, this beard, I've been growing for 14, 15 years. I trimmed it once when I got it caught in a power tool. So I keep it a little shorter than I used to. But my dreads are uh, quite a bit longer. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> That's some that's some heavy shit, man. <laughs> Literally. Well, I love it. Literally, I love the yeah. You got a real crowd here. Speaking of well, long thank you so much. Hippies. Yeah, thank well, you guys. Okay, we're gone. We're good. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate you so much. Have a great okay, evening. Man.
Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was a, a wonderful, wonderful episode and uh, certainly one that we've all been looking forward to for a long time. And uh, uh, big thanks to, to Marty and Soulshine for, for coming in. Uh, um, Marty, uh, uh, <laughs> how is your girl doing? We haven't had a chance to talk to you in a minute. Oh, well, uh, as far as that goes, first of all, thanks for getting that together, man. That, that was awesome. I mean, that was all you right there. I'm working on it. We got some other really cool guests in the queue. We've had a, a couple of really cool ones lately, and uh, we got we got more in the queue. Don't worry, guys. We got a lot of really sweet, sweet. I guests don't know, man. That sort of feels like Everest, but I'll, right? I'll let you try yeah. to top it if you want. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue. <laughs> but I'm as far as the grow goes, on. yeah, I've, I've been busy doing lots of other stuff besides growing. But I did they get some beans cracked? Actually, my wife got some beans cracked. So thanks to her, appreciate that. So. Those are, uh, you know, maybe like six inches tall right now. And so we have a number of different uh, uh, seeds from some of the ones you gave me, some of the ones uh, Josh sent me. So um, he sent me maybe like three different ones. I think we talked about it on the podcast a couple of times now. So finally got some of those cracked and um, getting the, got to get the greenhouse cleaned up again and get it back on track. But I uh, got everything. Hopefully got everything we need to finish it and the contractor lined up. So he's uh, hopefully going to get all that done and we'll get this season's worth of uh, videos online. I know I saw people commenting about getting some new content up, which I definitely need to do. So appreciate you guys pestering me, but just know the beans are cracked. The videos are coming. We'll, we'll get that together. Um, but yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been an interesting uh, start to the year, but we will get rolling and uh, get things finished up. I've been dying to get this greenhouse uh, going for this season. So it's going to be fun. It's actually just froze here though, which has been crazy. Um, and actually for like two days in a row. So that, that's a little weird. We usually get one in April, but to have two of them this late in, in pretty hard freeze too. I think it got down to like 29 degrees here in the Valley. So it, it's been a little rough, but uh Anyway, with the, the greenhouse should help out all that and be able to get that online. So everything is is progressing. The indoor will get filled up with whatever we decide to clone out of this uh, batch of seeds that we're popping right now. And I might pick up a couple other ones, we'll see. But trying to go all seeds this run and see see how that works out. Um, and do like a you know traditional pheno hunt, but it'll be small. I don't have a ton of room, so. It's not like I can do, you know, 300 plants or whatever. I don't have a facility like Steve's got behind him there. Although you can't see it as well now that all the lights are turned out, of course. But uh, yeah, I don't have that kind of room. But uh, <clears throat> definitely want to get some big ones going in the greenhouse. I need to time it just right or figure it out so that I can try and get, I think I have about 11, 10 and a half, 11 feet of height in the greenhouse and I want to I want to take up a good portion of it so we'll see how that goes but yeah other than that <clears throat> grow wise we're just just kicking it off for the year getting a late start but it will be good so running seeds later than running clones traditionally uh you know normally we have fairly tall clones that we get ready to put out by this time this year but um, I actually have a number of friends that are leaning more towards growing from seed and starting them later or even right in the ground uh, later in the year, as opposed to maintaining clones, you know, like 
cracking beans in January uh, or February and growing them up to a certain height. So there's different ways. And I, I see a lot of people growing grown from seed. I think mostly because of pest issues, I think it's probably been the, the biggest one. Okay. Apparently y'all didn't see any of the walkthroughs, so I'll kind of have to, the lights just went off, so y'all will have to bear with me on that. But yeah, so this is part of the nursery of the big grow that I've been working on. We got, there's a lot more to show you guys, but I kind of want everything to be finished and polished before we start showing more off. But there's some of the moms. This is just one of the mom rooms. And then we have a bunch of stuff that's cut and clone, getting ready to just get transplanted and kicked up to the greenhouses with more clones. More moms and clones. Um, you can see I just tore half the room out because I didn't like the results of some of the moms that they had from the last harvest. So a bunch of, uh, I know you kind of can't see it well, but bunch of spots that are just restarts of new strains that we're bringing in um, to kind of get some better returns on some of the stuff. So yeah, this is just one of them. There's a, two other rooms that are this size we have all, that are fully packed out. Um, again, we're just waiting. We had a climate control or electrical thing uh, delay on some parts of the greenhouse. But as soon as that's here next week, we'll be able to move everything over. Um, yeah, good times. As always, random shipping problems post-COVID cause issues, but it's okay. <laughs> so, um, it's actually good when you use fertilizer you're making yourself with your fishes and your own canf and ferments and things instead of having to rely on the world movement of fertilizers and the mass endangered market there. So big shout out to everybody who's making their own. Oh yeah, we're doing a, in fact, we'll be making a huge amount of IMO on Monday or Saturday. We'll be doing a bunch of filming on that. Some of that'll be up on the class. Some of that'll be up on YouTube. Um, we're going to be doing a ton of microscope work on all the KNF inputs. Um, there isn't really a good series, in my opinion, on YouTube that kind of goes through and shows, here's a really good collection. Okay, cool. Here's it under the microscope now. Uh, same thing with labs, same thing with liquid IMO, like all these different ones people talk about, but there, there isn't really hardly any good microscope footage. So we're going to be working on getting that filmed uh, the next couple of weeks as we launch the fields, um, doing a bunch, adding a bunch of soil content as well to the, uh, the class. So that'll be fun. And then also YouTube content on both soil and aquaponics. The aquaponics will kind of be a little bit later on in the year uh, at this facility. So we're kind of just adapting with what they got for now until we have time to, to finish getting stuff, to, you know, start to switch over. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, what, what's new with you, Caleb? Well, I'm actually out here in Arizona. I don't know if you guys are able to see that view there with the cigar. Oh, yeah. But yeah, checking out, uh, well, doing quite a few things, but one of the big things I'm doing here is checking out a site that I've been doing consulting on. Um, and it's beautiful. It's not the environment I'm used to. I'm used to rainy, drizzly Cascadia. Uh, but luckily, uh, a lot of the same principles apply. So it, it's, it's awesome to be out here. And uh, I'm, my heart is with my koi fish uh, back at the house uh, where I have just freshly set up some aquaponics systems uh, feed into my irrigation and my blue mats um, as sort of a first layer of integration there. And uh, I'm really excited for when I get back to be continuing to build that out and uh, I'll be putting out some more information as I do uh, through my YouTube, or I mean, through my Instagram as well, and uh, probably be coming on when I uh, feature in the future and uh, show you guys 
a little bit more of that uh, when you have me. So that uh, I'll definitely keep you updated on that. But definitely uh, sounds like a well, is there anything else that you've been working on lately? I know you've been working hard with the copy left stuff as well. Do you want to mention that? Yeah, so uh, we're actually really excited at copy left cultivars to be recently uh, applied for the common stack prize. And that's an organization that is using web three technology to facilitate the commoning of communities and bringing communities together uh, in a very similar style to what we've been envisioning. So uh, there's a great synergy there. And we have a video out as well that uh, recently on our YouTube, the Copyleft Cultivars and Copyleft Cannabis YouTube, we have uh, the Common Stack application video there. We've got a coalition of 14 different organizations now that are collaborating uh, and looking towards building that out. Uh, if we do win and if we don't win that, we're still going to be uh, taking that progress and transforming it uh, into ways that we can bring the community, uh, the system that we've been promising. So super excited about that. We're also, uh, we've been working with a little bit with University of Kansas on their Fieldbook app and uh, don't want don't to blow the announcement too early, but we have some exciting announcements about uh, ways that people can collect information about their cultivars and, and protect it all at the same time in a way that puts the community front and center, puts your freedom front and center, and helps to prevent the sort of uh, litigative takeovers that we've seen in other food crops. So uh, yeah, anyone that wants to stay up to date on that, copyleftcannabis.com and copyleftcultivars.com. We got two different websites uh, going, one for the larger nonprofit Copyleft Cultivars and one for the specific project uh, related to cannabis. So also looking for anybody who wants to volunteer their time since this is a full volunteer effort and uh, entirely made by the community so that we can keep it pure and serving everybody's interests. So feel free to reach out, anyone who feels inspired by this and wants to get involved. How can they do that? How can they do that if they want to reach out? Yeah, sorry, I'm uh, in the car here right now, so reception might not be so great. But uh, I think I heard you say, "How can people reach out?" Yeah. And that would be the Copyleft Cultivars Instagram, uh, also Copyleft Cannabis. We have both of those, where you can go to copyleftcultivars.com or copyleftcannabis.com, and both of those have more information uh, about the nonprofit and about the project and ways that you can reach out. I'll be putting the Discord link uh, in the chat as well. People can jump onto that uh, as much as they'd like, and uh, we're very open about the collaboration. We're doing this as transparently as possible, so um, you know, feel free to message there, and, and we can meet, and I can even kind of open the kimono to you to anyone who really wants to see the guts of, of what we're building as well on a deeper level. Awesome. Thank you so much for your efforts on that. I know it's a, a hard nut to crack and we've, we've definitely covered that particular topic quite a bit on this show over the years. So uh, went through its various uh, growing pains, I guess, uh, for, for probably is the most polite way to put it. Um, uh, you, uh, so you guys can check us out. Uh, Marty and I have the, the podcast every Thursday. Um, next week, we have Quinn from Professor Q, uh, Professor underscore Q on uh, Instagram. He'll be joining us. 
Uh, he's a, a wonderful KNF speaker, so he'll be our guest next week. And um, yeah, I, I probably at least for the short term, just through the next couple of weeks, we'll be not doing Monday shows or Tuesday shows. And then we'll be back to our normal uh, two show a week thing as uh, my schedule gets a little less clustered. So um, for, for now, uh, at least through the beginning of planting season, I think I need to uh, just stick to one show a week just to make sure it's easier on myself. So uh, thank you everybody for watching. Uh, you can check out more episodes of this over at Growing With Fishes on your favorite podcast app uh, or Potent Ponics. Um, either one will find you on all the different uh, podcast apps or on uh, uh, if you want to learn more about aquaponic cannabis, you can find us at apmjclass.com. Uh, a wonderful course. We're going to be adding a ton of soil stuff as well. So it'll be more of a, uh, a both class now, not just strictly aquaponics, but we're adding, a, I've got a ton of more content that I've been filming for you guys. Just haven't had time to, to edit it up. Um, so uh, again, my, my schedule is going to get a little bit easier after like June 15th. So just bear with me. Alrighty guys. Thank you everybody for watching. Uh, and we'll catch you guys again soon. Peace.